You're listening to the Extra Point Show on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome into the Extra Point Show. Friday music getting you pumped up as always. Even though it's not a normal Friday because it is the bye week, it is still a Buffalo Bills football Friday. And neither of us are Sal Capaccio or Sneaky Joe DiBiase. I'm Josh Schmidt, Zach Jones along with me. Zach, it's December. It is. What happened? It is December. What happened to 2023? Oh it boy. is December 1st. That year went by fast. Look it at went that. from March to December in like five minutes. Look at that. No snow on the ground December 1st. Yeah, that's kind of sad. It that's did... a win for the spring crowd hey, right hey, there, everybody. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We did it, everyone. Good job. Man, first first I have uh, – we're actually going to get into this right now. Christmas Story. Yes, no. The movie? Yes. I like it. Where do you rank it? It's not my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Okay. Uh, the animated Grinch is up there. The animated, like the original, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Good, I, good. Look, like the Jim Carrey one's good. I like it in all seriousness. I still probably prefer the animated one as I've gotten older. And then my favorite Christmas movie that I have to watch every single year is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, I have to. That's a great call. That is one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. let alone like holiday movies. Well, I bring all this up because our own Sneaky Joe, who just uh, just departed, is he hates hates Christmas Story to the stunning surprise of no one. I, I don't get it. I it to is the it is a surprise staple. of no it one. It is a staple for the holiday season. And I know he's not here to defend himself right now, but we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna hash this out over the next month because I just can't believe that. Do you think he you're gonna like get it. him to actually like it or no. like to like no, no, no. I'm just to gonna, appreciate it? I'm I'm just going to continually ask him why. Okay. Because I just don't get it. Well, what, what, like, what was his reasoning today? Or did he not give a reason at all? Well, I, I think he said he said it yesterday. I think it was just it's on twenty. He doesn't like the twenty-four hour thing on Christmas Day. That is ridiculous. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm I'm not you a huge guys. fan of that. I why it's it's, a, it's, it's the same with like and look I love the can, Godfather but like the Godfather's on like all day on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's weird. That's a bit much. But that's random because the Godfather. What does it have to do with Thanksgiving? Nothing. Nothing. It's just a classic and everyone but, loves it. But Christmas Story is specifically about Christmas Day. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, like you can turn you can tune in at any point throughout the day and you pick up on a different part of the movie. I I That's have a tradition where me and my family we watch it all the way through once, like we sit down after we eat breakfast and we watch it, and then we go about our Christmas Day stuff, you know, open presents, have mm-hmm. dinner with the family, all that good stuff. But it's always on, and you just kind of like go in and out of the living room, and you're like, oh, we're at the you know the Scud Farkas fight scene, or we're at the oh he just got the Red Rider, he's about to shoot his eye out, or okay. the or, or the the dogs stealing the tur- stealing the turkey towards the end of the movie. Yeah, that one that like, that's good. Like the, it, it's it's got so many iconic scenes and lines and and moments. I, I just I don't know. It does. It's, I mean, it, look, it, it it's an iconic movie. I appreciate it. I do like it. It's not that I hate it. It's not my favorite Christmas movie, and it's not one I have to watch every single year. Like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, that's, I watch every single. That's year. on the must watch. I honestly. will watch The Grinch every single year. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what about the Peanuts? Oh yeah, special. Yep. yep. I had to Home watch Home Alone. You know, funny enough, I like Home Alone, but it's not. It's not like I kind of constantly forget it exists. I did the same thing this morning. We like, were talking about. It. I was like top yeah. three: Peanuts, Grinch, Christmas Story, and then Joe's like, "What about Home Alone?" And I'm like, "Ah, Christmas Story is probably going to bump off a three. Yeah. 
And it's, go, it's not that I don't like the movie or anything like that. I, I, the first two are great. You know, yeah, three, three's good. Three's underrated. Never seen three. Oh, never seen three. It's, but like, I constantly forget it exists. Well, but see, with three, people don't like it because it's a different kid. But it's a different story. Yeah, it's original. Like it could be its own standalone movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, I like the first one the best. The third one is my second. It's a close second yep. in terms of the Home Alone movies. Yeah. Anything after three, throw it out. Yep. I, I will it. say, though, growing up as a kid, I don't know how much you watched like, Nickelodeon. It, the mm-hmm. Christmas specials. Yeah. I lo- Fairly Odd Parents Christmas yes. special. I, those were actually something I watched every I wish every year. day were Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I watched those every single the year. The Jimmy Neutron one where yep. there, there's like an, a, the, a blizzard and it turns into like the Ice Age. Oh yeah, I, that, I, that's recent, a great one. Recent, not last year. I think the year before, I watched Fairly Odd Parents again. That Christmas special, mm-hmm. loved it. I had there's a blast. Uh, I there's a, the, loved the it. SpongeBob one. Yep, that one's SpongeBob pretty good. One is good. Oh man, yeah. No, uh, cri- cri- holiday Christmas movies, TV specials, elite branding. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, they're all good. They're all good. You, you can, can watch them at any age and be like, I'm having a good time. You can never go wrong, except for maybe It's a Wonderful Life. It's a wonderful. How many times have you actually seen it, though? Only like twice. Yeah, I, I've seen it once or twice, and and only because I think our parents' generation, like that, was their Christmas mm-hmm. story, where it's like, no, everyone watches this. You have to see right. it at least once. Yeah. And so I have great message, good movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to sit here and go like, I need to watch it. But I, I still know people even closer to our age that are like, no, no, I I watch It's a Wonderful Life. It was my family's tradition. The whole thing. I just I don't know. It was, it's 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 almost like it's kind of it's kind of long, and it's a little sad. So it's like, eh. see, that's that's this is our probably our difference here. Like that's what I like to watch. I like long movies. I kind of like depressing ends. Well, I like I like melancholic long, ends. Like I'm a big fan of that stuff. I like long movies when it's like fitting. But like Christmas, it's like I need something short, sweet to the point that's going to make me happy because it's Christmas time. That's fair. You know, that's fair. Like like I don't need anything that's going to like try to teach me life lessons. But then again, Christmas is all about giving and things like that, and like being around loved ones and things. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could throw that in there. Yeah. But like, I, I just, I don't know. It kind of loses me at sometimes. I get that. I get but, that. But no, I just, I wanted to get your take on it because Joe's getting at me with the, the Christmas story thing. I, th- I think it's a classic, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I probably won't watch it this year. To be perfectly honest, I probably won't watch it well, this that's year. That's going to change. You're going to text me like every day now to be like, watch it. You need to watch it. I'm going to make you watch it. I'm going to like somehow find a way to bring every it up Every hour, just tell them, yeah. hey, Christmas story's on. Yeah, every hour on Christmas Day, you're going to get a text that's, from me. That's you're not going to get a it's Merry not, Christmas yeah. text. You're going to get a, hey, watch watch Christmas story. It's going to start at midnight, and it's going to end at midnight. It, it's You're going to find out at about 6 in the morning that, like, why are my messages coming in green? That's interesting. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can no longer contact Zach. That's crazy. Why are my messages coming in green? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so now that we got that out of the way, sorry about that. Welcome in. Extra Point Show on a football Friday. Let's talk some bills. A lot of stuff going on, even though it's the bye week. How, <laughs> of how, you, how are you feeling? I, you know, I, you know, this is going to sound maybe bad. or, or like I feel fine. It, it, it's, it's a tough year. I've complained quite a bit about it. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen's still their quarterback. Stephon Diggs is still a great wide receiver. I'm seeing a lot of young talent on this team really emerge and look really good for years to come. Khalil Shakir being somebody. Dalton Kincaid finally looks to be like that guy that every draft expert, after he was placed on the Bills, right. was like, he's he's that guy now that they've moved Joe Brady in, into, the OC, into the OC chair. And that, Joe too, Brady. I think Joe Brady has looked incredible as the OC. Does he make some mistakes? Sure. I think we all still at this point look at Brian Dable's tenure with rose-colored glasses as well. So, Well, and, and I always, like, even when they hired Ken Dorsey, mm-hmm. you go back to 
the first couple years of Dable, mm-hmm. it probably looks. I, I wouldn't say it looks exactly the same to like what Ken Dorsey had in a year and a half, but there's definitely going to be games in there with Dable that you find and you go, "Wow, what was he thinking?" Oh my gosh, yeah, like absolutely. Like, what was the idea there? I remember this is. Um, I was maybe hired here for like three months, and I was on air with with Derek Kramer, who you can often hear on on Sports Talk Saturday here on the station. Tomorrow he'll go. Yeah, you're going to hear him tomorrow. And for two hours, we took calls on Brian Dable, and it was back and forth between people saying he wasn't running enough, and then he was running too much, and he wasn't paying. And it was just, the first person anyone blames if an offense is even slightly sputtering is not usually the quarterback. It is the offense coordinator. Well, it's not the quarterback in a situation like this. I mean, Josh Allen looks consistent. We've kind of got to that point with Allen. I guess it depends on how the quarterback looks at first. Because, like, you take. Allen, for example, and I feel like it's very specific to him mm-hmm. because he played very, very well with Dable, and then that's what you expect. You expect to see these 400-yard yeah. games where he's rushing for three touchdowns and throwing four more. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's seven touchdowns. That's unheard of. But but especially against bad teams. Yeah, my, my point being is you're expecting a great, great success. Mm-hmm. And then you go to how the last year and a half was and and it seemed stagnant and the Bills offense like seemed just very inconsistent and that's when you that's when you go okay it's the offensive coordinator but you can only do that when you know your quarterback is successful like we know what Josh Allen is yeah we we've seen the true pinnacles of right. Allen and then where with with it, it was from the Green Bay second half to when Dorsey was fired, that it was just the offense never felt comfortable. It constantly felt like it was getting in its own way. There were bright spots, of course, the Miami game this year really being mm-hmm. kind of the pinnacle of that of just like, hey, and even the they Jets can still game, do it. The Jets game a couple weeks ago. When well, they remember like, that was that was oh that was right. Brady, see, that was Brady's okay. opening. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but no, but like let's look at like let's say Pittsburgh, right? They just got oh, rid of boy. Matt Canada, oh, but they also have Kenny Pickett, and it's like who's the problem there? Well, I, I was going to say half the thing with Pickett now or with, with the Canada firing was. Maybe now we're going to get an honest look at who Kenny Pickett is. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, and this is just my personal opinion, I didn't think Kenny Pickett was even worth a first-round pick. No, I, th- I think a lot of that is coming down to the Rooney family wanting to make up for uh, passing on Dan Marino, who was also a pit legend. Kenny Pickett came in. I don't think broke any of his records, but was like the, the next great yeah, Pittsburgh quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say. They wanted, and they wanted to rectify that decision. I was going to say, the two of them are extremely different. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> they both, on... but they both went to Pitt and I think are from the area as well. Mm. Let me look that. I want to make sure with Kenny Pickett. But that's how I've always looked at it. They overvalued him to hell. Also, Pittsburgh. Just real quick, a little rant. We always know who you're going to pick. Get better secret keepers. <laughs> Look at the Najee Harris year. Yeah. For like three months, everyone was like, Najee Harris is a Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, let's like put that one in black ink and move on. Put it on the board. Like for every mock draft, I remember for like the last like two weeks leading up to it, not a single mock draft looked any different for the Steelers. It was Kenny Pickett or uh, uh, Najee Harris is going to the Steelers, mm-hmm. and it was the same thing with Kenny Pickett. Everyone knew Kenny Pickett was going to the Steelers. It's so frustrating. Like, I want to, like, know what's going to happen here, guys. Like, don't figure this out. Also, Kenny Pickett, not born and raised in Pittsburgh, however, did go to school there for, like, Where's five years. Where's he from? New Jersey. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, it's, no, it's not close to Pittsburgh. It's close to Pennsylvania. It's close to Pennsylvania, but on the other side. Yeah. Close I, to I, Philadelphia. It's, it's so funny because, like, you get Pennsylvania. It's got Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. It's like... There's so many P's in one state. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, all right, but yeah, no, back to the Bills. So, like, I, I just wanted to go with Matt Canada there and Kenny Pickett because, like, 
you can look at other teams around the league and you can say, okay, that is definitely the offensive coordinator or that is definitely the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And now, like I said, with this, you knew it was the offensive coordinator because now look at what Joe Brady's done in just two games with Allen in this offense. Yeah, the offense they look is, revitalized. is averaging over 30 points a game, over yeah. 400 yards per game. Allen looks like the old Allen. I mean, against Philadelphia, he had four touchdowns, and even though his completion percentage was down, he was dynamite throughout most of that game. Had a ton of drops, though, as well on him. But mm-hmm. I, I guess my thing is, like, so that's where, like, I'm fine. Like, the Bills may be having a bad season, but ultimately I'm not worried about the health of Josh Allen, where if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you're kind of worried about the long-term health with, with Joe Burrow. He's, he's gotten right. injuries. Like, like well, he's missing games they're all every un- year now at this point. They're all unrelated. Yeah, they're all unrelated. Like it's, he's it's just picking calf? up new injuries. Just And then was it was, was it his wrist this time, or was it his thumb? It's his wrist. Okay. It's his wrist. So, I mean, like I said, that's not related. Like, you can't put a correlation between, oh, his calf got hurt because of his wrist, mm-hmm. or his wrist got hurt because of his calf, or or the calf injury is going to hurt his throwing, or the wrist injury is going to hurt his running. Yep. But then again, both of those things, like the calf would hurt his running game and the wrist would hurt his throwing yeah. game. So you're, you're kind of worried – those two specific injuries, while they're not correlated to each other, they're very specific to quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and it's it it could affect him greatly. I think, I think as well, though, it's just uh, um, there was a call on uh, Shopping the Bulldog the other day as well. It, it's kind of been sitting with me. I, I didn't bring it up yesterday because I, I was still kind of sitting with it, but now I, I kind of want to today of just like the idea of wasting a season or wasting someone's prime, and it's. Essentially, the guy's point was like only one team wins the Super Bowl every year. We all know that. That's not a new <laughs> new phenomenon. But it's more the idea of so did thirty one teams waste their time, right? Or you know, did yeah. like uh, all these great quarterbacks? Because because we bring up wasting Allen's prime. How do mm. Baltimore Ravens fans feel about Lamar Jackson still not being in a Super Bowl? He's already got an MVP. He he has been the one seed before. How do Chargers fans feel about Herbert? Only and he will only have one playoff appearance after this year. And it was a terrible collapse against Jacksonville. Or even the Jaguars with that first season with Urban Meyer. Do they feel like they've already wasted a year of who is considered a generational talent at that's, quarterback? That's, to me, that's different. With Jacksonville specifically, it's a year. Oh, yeah. No, and it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's it was his year. rookie year. But even but it, even Burrow, though, with Cincinnati, like, do they feel like yeah. we're losing years here? Like he's The, the deal's going to come on big. They, it, it's kind of assumed now at this point they won't keep T. Higgins. Like It's going to be Jamar Chase and Burrow, and they're going to kind of figure it out as they go. You know they've already let two of their safeties go, and and even before that they were already having a tough year. Mm-hmm. Yes, they beat the Bills because I think the Bills just and it, that is that the Bengals are the Bills boogeyman, not the Chiefs. The Bengals are. Yeah, because the Bill, the Bills have beat the Chiefs just not in the playoffs. Yeah, they haven't been able to do it in the playoffs. Like the but regular they, regular season, it's the Bengals. Yeah. playoffs, it's the Chiefs. But so or like, playoffs, it could also be the Bengals. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's I think it's just overall the Bengals now. But there is this feeling of of, of me of just like it's not like Allen is thirty eight years old and we're sitting here after twenty years going. He never got there. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I still try to think of like guys like Peyton Manning, who he's still considered, I think, by most people to be the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. He only played in three Super Bowls. He mm-hmm. lost – He or uh, I'm sorry, he played in – he played in four? He played in four because he lost to Seattle as well. Yeah. And then one was at the, you know, the tail end of his career. Just, you know, he – swan song, the defense carried you. Yeah, But it, sure. t- it took forever, and he didn't win a playoff game until like year five. Mm-hmm. And he was also a high seed. He went thirteen and three in the second year, and they immediately lost. I think the Jets in the playoffs. You know, Lamar Jackson took a few years to win his first ever playoff game, like a few years. 
And even then last year, he didn't get to play in the playoffs. He'll probably play in it this year if he doesn't get hurt. But so, like, there's a part of me that's like, they've gotten the most important piece down. The quarterback is easily the most important piece. Now what I'd like them to see and what I'd like them to do this year with, with the 10 draft picks, because you are going to be strapped for cash. You are going to have to have young talent emerging before they are ultimately paid as well. I, I want to see you know them try to make a move to go get a big-time wide receiver that could eventually maybe take Stephon Diggs' place or just be, a at least for a few years, a equal compatriot to him, kind of like you're seeing like a Jordan Addison is to a Justin Jefferson or a DK Metcalf was to a Tyler Lockett before it kind of switched and DK was the number one. But that's almost Lockett. what you want to happen. You almost you, you want You want to draft a guy and then eventually it's like Lockett and DK where they just flip-flop and we, Lockett is still your, like, yeah. hey, he's been here forever. He's a dependable guy. He can, he, can, he can get the big catch sometimes when you need him to, but we got this great young guy mm-hmm. that's a physical freak in DK Metcalf where – you know, but and he's and a game breaker. Who is that? What for? he did last night, right? Took exactly. a slant for seventy-five yards. He also caught all three touchdowns. Yeah. So, but it's it's like, who is that for the Bills? Right now, you don't know. It it kind of depends. Right now, that um, guy is just flat out digs. He is both your right. future number no, no, one. No, no. He's I, your number yeah. one. He's... But I mean, like, if if let's say you were to draft somebody this year, mm-hmm. right? Like Malik it, Neighbors. Okay, Keon Coleman, but. It's Any a, of them. He's a little too high right now for the Bills. But anyway, um, if you draft a guy this year, is he that guy? I don't know because I don't think Diggs is that close yet. I don't think Diggs is that close yet. I think, though, you're seeing in the NFL rookie receivers come in and mm-hmm. make splash plays immediately. Right. They are coming in far more prepared for the NFL than in years past. You're seeing guys. Jordan Addison has been able to take up Justin Jefferson being gone fairly well, and he has quarterbacks like Josh Dobbs, maybe even Nick Mullins now throwing him the ball, and is still playing well. And he's doing that without maybe the best receiver in football next to him. And so that's my thing is where I'm at now and, and how strapped for cash they are, I want them to start leaning on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I want them to start leaning on, hey, our best player is in fact the quarterback, and we should put everything around him to be successful. I think they, I think they did a really good start this last year with the draft. They get a right tackle in Osiris Torrance in the second round. They draft an elite pass-catching tight end in the first round. Who You said it yesterday, and I think it's absolutely true. The fear of him not being able to block, out the window. Yep. He has been a very good blocker there was right, out of the window, one, right out of the gate. There was one very specific play I remember from the Eagles game where, I mean, Kincaid cleared – two or three guys for James mm-hmm. Cook, and Cook got seven yards more than he probably would have. Yep. Also, quick numbers on Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf's rookie year was 2019. He's 22 years old. Uh, at that time, Lockett was 27. Yes, I mean, you were in the perfect, so, you were in the perfect realm where they – I mean, when they and, took and, Metcalf, they just took literally the best player available. Yeah, and Diggs is what, 30, 31? He's 30 now. 30. So, technically, I take my point back. You're behind schedule if that's what you want to try to do. That's why a lot of people have been on the wide receiver train for like two years. Yeah, if you want to draft someone that's going to play alongside Diggs for a few years and then replace Diggs and have Diggs just kind of like be there as well, you got to do it now, or else it's going to get to the point where you know Diggs is going to start slowing down. It's it's well, it's it, things it, to think about, but like but that, that's it's going to happen. Yeah, you, you don't want to do it a year behind schedule. Right. Where Diggs right is already th- starting to show signs of decline right. and you're like, oh crap, we have to we have to react now. You want to be proactive and just being like, hey, when Diggs starts to slow down, it's not panic time and it's just this nice, easy transition. And especially when you have a quarterback of Allen's caliber, you mm-hmm. kind of think that 
if he's good enough, he's going to start getting the ball and he's going to be immediately helpful. And that's my thing is just, I, look, I like Gabe Davis. I do. I think when he is on, he is fantastic. He is a size problem. He's 6'2", 210, 215. But he's a gadget-ish guy. Yeah. He's very he's very he's, he's very not, specific. Yeah, he's not gadget cuz that's like that was like what Isaiah McKenzie would do yeah. with like the the weird like But he's very trick specific. Plays. Yeah. The one truly and I and I've always said this about him since his rookie year that Colts playoff game. I think he shined right at the end of the first half. The the one truly thing that Gabe Davis does and he has done since his rookie year, that man knows where the sideline is. Mm-hmm. He always knows where he's at. He makes these ridiculous sideline catches and it has been great for the Bills. And to be perfectly honest, in a, in, a, in a perfect world, Gabe Davis is your number three wide receiver, and you have an elite wide receiver room because you add in a young you know, second guy, or you have a bit younger John Brown or a bit younger Emmanuel right. Sanders, and you just keep moving. They don't have that right now. And I don't want to overpay for a guy like a Michael Pittman or somebody like that who I, just, I don't think will ever be that number one. I like Michael Pittman. I just don't know if he necessarily adds what I want for the Bills to add. I bring up um, Malik Neighbors a lot for LSU because I think he's going to be the Bolitnikoff winner this year for the best college wide receiver. I also wouldn't be against them, and this will maybe show my bias, but there's a reason for it. Xavier Worthy, out of Texas, is a speed demon. The Bills mm-hmm. don't use speed very much. No, I think that's why James Cook has been so impressive when they do get him going in the passing game because he has that pop ability that they just haven't had for years. It's been something they've constantly missed. Xavier Worthy... Looks like Deshaun Jackson regent, who, by the way, is officially retiring today as the Eagles. Yeah. He will be an honorary captain on Sunday. That's cool. And Xavier Worthy is that guy. Are there some drop issues? Yes. And and it, it, this year has been a little bit of a durability issue as well. But he is a dangerous playmaker, something I don't think the Bills really have had. Him being who he is will force the Bills to get him the ball early. I think that's what they've been missing. They've been going discount shopping a lot for for the offense. They really have, especially at wide receiver. Well, and that's partially on, you know, building up the defense. And and rightfully so. The defense was at this point where it's like, you know, we're going into win-now mode at least year by year. And you made those big splash plays. You signed Von Miller. You signed, you know, you, you traded for Rasul Douglas. You signed Leonard Leonard Floyd. And, like, those were all, like, smart plays. Like, they they yes. all they all made sense at the time to a certain extent. Like like when Von Miller was signed to the Buffalo Bills, the idea was he is a finisher. He is here to get mm-hmm. like twelve sacks to finish out games to get guys like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow on the ground yep. on those on those crucial second downs, third downs to force punts where typically they would go for it kind of deal. That's what he was brought in for. Rasul Douglas, <laughs> bro, we are down so many secondary players. <laughs> we need you. Makes complete sense to me. Leonard Floyd, Von Miller's going to be on, on on the pup list to start the year. We need somebody who can come in and we know is an NFL sack guy who who takes pressures and actually converts them into sacks. My problem is with the team building, and I guess this is this is a lot on, on Brandon Bean as well, it could be on Sean McDermott, is that they've overlooked the offense too much. They've had a Ferrari at quarterback and have decided he can make magic out of out of anything because to be fair much of his early career he was John Brown was considered just a solid wide receiver he comes to Buffalo in 2019 that first year there were arguments that he was a number one Cole Beasley comes in and is just considered a solid slot receiver with some pretty good upside he comes in he's an all-pro slot wide receiver Stefan Diggs even you can make that argument was considered a DJ Moore-esque wide receiver where it's like okay there's clearly talent here he's had pop moments I mean he had a three touchdown game against the Eagles when he was on the Vikings 
but there was not that consistency. He gets here and immediately is, is a 100-plus catch guy, 1,300-plus receiving yards, double-digit touchdowns. 1,500 receiving yards his first season. Yeah, I mean, he came in and immediately was like, oh, wow. So I can understand that the Bills had this thought process that when they brought in Trent Sherfield this year or they bring in Deontay Hardy, that Allen might make them magic. He might make them something. I think as well, though, the idea of bringing in a rookie play caller and always expecting Allen to make the most out of these receivers is not a good idea. Even you look at the at the New England Patriots, who for years did this at wide receiver, where they went discount shopping all the time. Forget that, like, yes, but guys like Wes Walker did become the best slot receiver in football. They did go get a guy like a Randy Moss. Deion Branch maybe was the most underrated wide receiver of the early 2000s. Julian Edelman, one of the best slot receivers in football. You still have to have talent at those positions. Yeah. And I want to see them go really show that, look, we know there's a lot of cash on the defensive side of the ball, so we're going to go get young on offense and put all of our eggs into the quarterback basket. What, what's hard with that right now, though, is is like you have to look at the safety position, you have to look at the secondary, and realize this is actually... They're going to need help. This would actually be the time to spend money on the defense. They're going to need help. But but you kind of... But again, you have but, to, with, but with 10 draft picks? Right. I need a safety in the third round. Yeah. I don't necessarily need... I don't, Probably, value-wise, shouldn't draft a safety in the first round. No, no, not at all. Especially at the position you're going to be drafting. Like, it, it's... it's There'll be one, maybe two guys in the first round that you can go for, and one of them's going to go in the top ten. And it's like, okay, be- Because well, of just positional value. Yeah, and it's like, well, we're not going to get that high, so obviously not draft him. And then the other one is going to be low mm-hmm. first, maybe second. And it's like, well, yep. we don't want that guy either, because that's not close to us at all. Yeah. So... Unless they trade back, which would be kind of, I think, stupid. I don't. You already got ten picks. You don't need to do that. Yeah, you don't need to trade back. So you need talent. Draft a wide receiver. End end of story. That's where I'm at. All right, we got to take our first time out here at eleven o'clock. We are gonna kind of switch a little bit to hockey as well. The Sabres had a tough loss yesterday, which is very frustrating. We'll talk a little bit about that when Luke Fox of Sportsnet joins the show. But we're also taking your calls eight zero three zero five fifty. Where do you want to see the Bills start to allocate resources? I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Again, eight zero three zero five fifty. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in for the Extra Point Show here today. You're listening to WGR. I mean, it's maybe on us repressing a little bit when, when you're in the zone for that long, get a little greedy. But, you know, at the same time, I think you saw a lot of Sabres hockey out there with, with the chances and the way we were creating. And Yeah, but I think, you know, as those shifts extend and, and they get a little long, sometimes chances end up going the other way. So it's definitely something that we should maybe take a look at and, and clean up. But, you know, I thought the, the pressure and the defensive zone time was, was good tonight. Sabres forward Casey Middlestad after last night's Six to four loss to the St. Louis Blues. Josh, I just that game was a roller coaster. I, it's not what I needed. It, it was, but like, just please, like, put a game or two together here. It, it, it's funny. I, I was uh, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I looked at. I saw Sabermetrics tweeted that the Sabers are one seven and two in games following a win, and then our own Sneaky Joe retweeted that and said they're nine three and zero in games following a loss. 
That's terrible. <laughs> I like everything about that. I hate. I hate one seven and two. Did you say? Yeah, that's atrocious. Yeah, you've won, I, and we know they're it. also ten, eleven, and two. So it's it's understandable as to why they haven't strung together wins. But that's insane. That, that is the epitome of five hundred hockey. You're it's the winning. epitome of five hundred hockey, but it's also the epitome of inconsistency. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I joked but about it last to, night, and I saw you like it as well. But like, can you show up like you knew the puck's supposed to drop at eight, right, or seven? To be fair, UPL goes out there after winning the job, and in what six shots, less than three goals. Yeah, that was great. Not great. Phenomenal. I mean, Just had, they sent Levi down, and he had a great save, and then right. literally on the ensuing faceoff is the first burned goal. me, burned me like a campfire. To be fair, to be fair. Let's look at some of the goals here, right? All right. The first goal, face-off goal, really weird, wonky, whatever. Got to win the face-off him there. in the pad. I know. <laughs> Second goal. Let's see. That was what? Basically, a, a, everyone watched the puck and mm-hmm. – oh, no, that was the fourth. That was the fourth one. It's hard to keep them all in, in you know, chronological And then order. Casey Middlestat, though. Like, you have a wide-open net. What happened? Oh, I can tell you exactly what happened. I watched the replay on that. Nick Letty, St. Louis Blues defender, ever so slightly gets a tip on the puck, and it makes the puck go slightly backwards. Casey Middlestat was lined up like it was going to hit the blade of his stick perfectly, and he's just going to pass it in. And Letty has the slightest tip on that puck, and it puts it right underneath, like, the heel of Middlestat's stick. That's why, like... You could see in the replay, he kind of like moves his hands back and was. It's like an oh, that's where not where I expected it to be. I'm just so, I'm, I'm at a point now. I'm not saying it, it's like a pass or whatever, mm-hmm. but that's pretty much why that goal didn't. I'm go just in. I'm at a point now, man. I, and and maybe this is me being impatient or something like that. And I'm willing to admit that if I am, I don't even care now that like some of these young guys look great. Paterka looks amazing. Zach Benson is not Paterka, 18. He's li- he's lied on his birth certificate. That man is at least 25. Paterka looks Paterka's on pace for 36 goals this year. That's he's awesome. 21 years old. Casey Middlestat has absolutely figured it out. He's he looks awesome. Leads the team in, well, he did lead the team in points. I don't know if that's changed since last Win time. some games. Yeah. Actually look like you've put something together here. Well, and that's cuz now I don't really want a lot of these guys to sign 7-year deals and stuff like that to stick around because they can't win. The, They're fun. The frustrating part is, is like last, especially with last night specifically, they outshot the Blue Jackets or the Blue Jackets, geez, the Blues, the St. Louis Blues. They outshot them forty-five to something. Mm-hmm. They doubled up the shots again, oh, it was just like they it did against absurd. the Rangers, and they kind of got goalied a little. I mean, they kind of did. It, I mean, not the really. Blue, the Blues had fourteen. Excuse me, twenty shots on net. Yeah, and Lukanen made fourteen saves. Not great. Like, I mean, that's like as much as I'm complaining now. But like, that's another thing too. You aren't going to win many games if you did that, mm-hmm. and your goalie let in six goals. Right. But you look at so you look at their losses, and pretty much all of them except for let's say like four mm-hmm. are three goals or less or even two goals or less mm-hmm. that's your problem is is it's it's not the inconsistency in the game itself it's the inconsistency on the offensive side of the puck because yes they're either out shooting they're either doubling up on their opponent on shots and you know oh they ran into a hot goalie or the bounces didn't go their way they hit three posts last night mm-hmm. they also missed two empty nets do you did you remember the, the sequence? I, that th- this sequence is where I was like, "Wow, Dylan Cousins looks like Dylan Cousins." He finally looked. He kept he was coming back. He kept the puck in at the blue line, 
fired it down into the corner to J.J. Paterka. Paterka centers it to Benson, and somehow Bennington is there. Mm-hmm. He Bennington looked surprised, like almost shocked that the puck was right in front of him, but he just happened to be in the right place, right time, and Benson couldn't bury it. It was just and then it obviously was so have, frustrating last night because yeah. St. Louis can't score goals. Scored six. Their power play, 30th in the league, scored in 15 seconds yeah. on their first power play of the game or second yeah. power play of the game. And so, it's just like, this is why like they're not being taken seriously right now. That mm-hmm. Yes, they're young. Yes, they're fun. Yes, they're high-flying. And they've seemingly kind of figured out that if you play run and gun, you'll probably win more games. They've won two games in a row once this year, Josh. Yeah. We're 23 games in. And now next up you have the Carolina uh-huh. Hurricanes. You have the Hurricanes. Which, you have Detroit. You have Boston. How many of those games do they win? How many games do you oh, honestly Nashville feel like they there. win? Nashville's, Nashville's in there. Well. That Nashville you could win. Carolina you could win. You took them to overtime the first you've time you played. You've won once in Carolina in what, four, in, since, since 2016? 2016. Boston you've won once in your last 11 tries just against the team flat out. Yeah. And Detroit looks like the actual Atlantic team that has taken the step forward. The Sabres in ESPN's power rankings, do you want to know where they are? Do you have a guess where they are? Let's 18th. Lower. 20th? 21. 21. 21st. But they've gone up. The previous ranking was 24. So, and they highlight in here games of the month. Mm-hmm. Next Tuesday against Detroit. New Year's Eve against Ottawa. Those are two very big games this month. It's just, it's it's incredibly frustrating, man. And, and I know they can turn around because they have the offensive talent to just take teams out of the rink. I, and I well, right. fully believe that. And, and, that's I, what they and, and I've seen what Lukening can do this year and how good he has been. But the inconsistency is why they will, they're going to miss the playoffs by more than one point this year because they just can't string wins together. They had a moment there for like four games with eight points each night. Mm-hmm. But you've got to start putting wins in the win column. Yeah. You have to. And or this is it's going to be another year where it's just teams like Tampa and teams like Boston and teams like the Rangers who have done this year in and year out just know how to grind out wins and they get them done and now Detroit is seemingly figuring that out just grinding out wins getting it done are they going to go on some losing streaks yes Boston has what lost 3 or 4 in a row and then they'll win yeah three well it was 3 in a row i don't know what it is now yeah but then they'll win their next 7 of 8 yeah, they, they they won last night. Yeah. So. And, like, that's just what they do. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the players. I will say this. The power play still is incredibly broken. Mm-hmm. It's so stagnant. There's no movement there. And now that Thompson's out, you would have thought, ooh, maybe they won't force it to his corner every time. Nope, they still have no idea what to do. Why is Jeff Skinner on one of the wings for the power play? His shot's not that threatening. No. he's Skinner is the epitome of he'll get you – Either a fluky goal or a wow! How did he? How is a human able to move that way and score a goal like to that? To everyone's surprise, he's a playmaker. Yeah, on, on both sides of that, he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, it is just—it's incredibly frustrating because you can see the talent, and there are nights when it's like, I don't—I don't even know what else to say. Yeah. Well, last night, was and then one there's of, an equally bad part of I don't know what else to say. Last night was one of those nights where, it, it, but it was more so because you crawl all the way back. And then you just lay flat. Casey Middlestat misses that shot right after they t- like they had the utmost pressure on the Blues. Every, mm-hmm. When they scored those two goals, when they scored the first one, or well, the first one in the second period, so the second goal, I thought every shift, I thought every rush, every time they entered the offensive zone, it felt like they were going to score. 
St. Louis was abysmal in their own end. You had so many takeaways that led to high danger chances. Mm-hmm. The score should have been like seven to six. Yeah, and, and it, it, I'm the Sabres should have scored seven goals. Last I'm night. frustrated, but in reality, Bennington goalied you. Well, and also you didn't get the bounces. Like I said, you, yeah. I think they hit like two or three posts. You had that one with Middlestat where it goes off Letty's stick. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't go off Letty's stick, it's four three right there. And then does St. Louis even score? Not let alone tie the game. Does St. Louis even score? Because they looked, they looked, you know. I'm trying to think. Of, I can't think of the word. Disorganized. They didn't look good. No, they looked that, that like was, they were that all was over easily, the place. Easily, my most frustrating part of yesterday was they did not look good. They looked, St. Louis did not look good. They looked all over the place. They didn't look like a team that had won 12 games. They didn't look like a team that's 10 and 0 when they score first. They looked frantic and they couldn't control the play. And somehow, even despite all the chances, the Sabers couldn't capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. They did four times, but. Not when it mattered, and they didn't stand up in their own end when it mattered. That was the most frustrating point. And it's just and and, and again, maybe this is my impatience, but like it just it constantly feels like it's just it's a young team having to continue to learn the same lessons over and over and over again of guys, consistency, consistency, consistency. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's getting it's getting old real fast. Yeah. And and I think, you know, even Don Granada, I I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was saying, like, you know, most of that's not on Lukanen. So I think you're Maybe going to see some changes in the in the defense in in terms of just like hey guys, we need to figure this out. Yep. Like we not necessarily changes in the terms of like the personnel, like getting someone new, yeah. but maybe like you know guys sitting that you wouldn't normally expect to sit. Clifton sat last night. Mm-hmm. Ryan we'll Ryan Johnson like he had his moments in the game, but there was a couple times I remember specifically he went behind the Sabers net, skated around it directly at two. Blues players, and I was like, whoa, man, that is that is a rookie move right there. And then he lost the puck, and I think they had, like, a pretty decent chance from it. If not, they scored. So it's like, man, like, that's a, that's, that's an okay, that's a rookie mistake because it's his yeah. first year in the league. Yeah. But if you have a guy like Matias Samuelson doing that, mm-hmm. which he had his moments last night where he looked rough. 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 Like, Especially bad. early. Yeah. I mean, half the reason they they went down 3 nothing was part of – was yep. because of him. So Turnovers. There, there's a lot to work on. And I feel like a broken record saying that because I feel like we've been saying that for for years, yeah. for weeks, for games. Like it's it's getting old real fast. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of season left. Tage is hopefully expected back by like Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Quinn by New Year's Day. There's still some positivity there, but it is it, it's in a frustrating spot right now. Mm-hmm. Got to take a quick time out here if you want to join the show. Eight hundred three zero five fifty is the number. But coming up at eleven, Luke Fox of Sportsnet. To kind of talk a little more hockey as well, to Toronto, Edmonton, Buffalo, especially the East as as a whole. We'll do a lot of hockey talk coming up at eleven with Luke Fox. But if you again, if you want to join the show, eight zero three zero five fifty is the number. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in for the Extra Point Show here on WGR. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you for the next few hours, filling in for Sal Capaccio and Joe DiBiase here in the Extra Point Show. We will also be on from 1 to 3 with One Bills Live off for the Bills bye week. Josh, what are your plans for the bye week? You going to watch football on Sunday or are you going to like kind of like go outside and talk yeah. to your family members? No, I'm just I'm going to just hang out. Hang um, out. Actually, my uh, my dad recently retired. So, oh, good uh, for him. Congrats, good for him. Congrats, dad. 
Good job. <laughs> Good job. Um, but his, like, we're doing, like, a little retirement thing on Sunday. Nice. So we're just going to kind of hang out. Very nice. Low, but, yeah. Finally, uh, finally got it done. Now he's got a lot of time in his hands, doing a lot of home improvement around the house. So that feels right. It, that feels right. But you know what? He's doing a great job. So it's awesome. That's good. Uh, what about you? Start decorating the Christmas tree. That's already done. Yeah, it is same. already done. Mine's already up. I actually had to put it back up because my uh, my cats broke the legs on it. That's good. When they jumped into it, presumably cat of them. What do you I, mean the legs? Is it's it an fake? artificial tree. Okay. So I was out of town and I come home and the tree's just on the floor and I'm like, oh. Which one of you did it? Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So it's had to make a new tree stand. But it's back up. Got to put the ornaments back on and stuff. So that might be something oh, man. on the diet this weekend. I am looking at the Sunday window of games, and it's like there's one 1 o'clock game I want to watch. Broncos-Houston. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. not great. It's not great this week. Um, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I'm going to need red zone. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. just because like, like, truly there's no Bills game on. It's not like it's coming on later. It's Sunday or on Monday. Right. Like, there's truly no Bills game. And yeah, like I mean, the Sunday night game looks interesting. Chiefs Packers. Jordan Love seemingly is turning a corner. I guess. Come on, you don't want to watch Falcons Jets. I mean, I'm going to watch that because I have a problem. But there's how about I'm not Panthers enjoy it. Panthers Bucks? There we go. That's, That's what I'm talking about right there. In, in terms of rooting interest for the Bills. There are a couple games going on. Broncos Texans. I mean, that's that's either, kind of the one. Either way that ends, it's you know not great for the Bills because well they're 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 right now kind of occupying the two seeds right outside of the wild card window. Mm-hmm. So that's and the they're thing both is, six and five. So whoever yeah. wins is going to still hold that spot, and the loser is likely if the Broncos I, I lose. I would say you want Houston to win because Denver has the tiebreaker on you. Denver beat the Bills. Well, no, then you'd want Denver to win, right? Because, oh no, I see, you're yeah. right. You're right. So no, no, no. Denver beats you. Because I was so thinking, I was thinking, you know, if you're trying to get past Denver and they have more losses and you start winning, tiebreaker doesn't matter. No, it's not like college football where it's like, oh, this is exciting. The one team you lost to keeps winning, or the one team you beat keeps yeah, winning. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, no, that one's for sure on the Bills. Would love the Bills Steelers to drop mindset. a game finally. That'd be cool. Yeah, but they're playing the Arizona, so yeah, that right. won't happen. <laughs> love that for Kenny everybody. Pickett has exactly two thousand yards passing. That's hilarious. Like God, that offense is so tiring to watch. It's exhausting. I watched two games from the Steelers this year. One being Week One when they played the Forty ers completely unmatched. I mm-hmm. mean, they were just. It was a different game yeah. to the two of them. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, going to take another quick time out here. When we come back, Luke Fox of Sportsnet will join the show as we dive into a little hockey talk with the NHL season very much underway. We've got some storylines to talk about. I mean, Edmonton, what's going on there? Toronto, they maybe are figuring out. Boston refuses to die like every Boston team in your entire lives. doesn't matter how old you are. We'll do that when we come back. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in for the Extra Point Show here today on WGR.